User Grindstaff Publishing Audio Files. Room to Rome. Prologue. For the better part of a year, my hair had grown long and my life had morphed into one of instability and searching. What I was searching for I couldn't say, but the turmoil of the previous months had begun to stabilize, and I found myself about to lose my apartment and any sense of normalcy I had previously held. In the winter previous, my fiancé and I had decided it best to split up and live apart. The ideas stem from our past and life splitting from our own psyches. With her reasons explained in all manner of decibels, my reasons remained hidden from her, but I knew them to be an overpowering sense of not having done enough in my life. At 26 years old, I had done much of what I had wanted to do. I had gone to Alaska to fish commercially for salmon, had been published in a scientific journal, was about to get my bachelor's degree with two majors and felt good about all that, but something inside me told me to travel to wander like so many of those other young men in history had done. In the months leading up to our split, an overpowering urge to be footloose came over me, and I had begun to think about what backpacking a country or two would feel like, to see new people, places and things, to smell new air, and explore foreign trails. When our relationship cracked, I began to think more seriously about a change of pace, and after a couple of failed attempts to get back together, we both agreed we would both be better off as an always underwhelming just friends. It was now late spring of 2015, and my months of confusion and depression had begun to heal, and that urge to travel crept up again. The idea had been rattling around my head for a few weeks, but I had rejected it based on the improbability of it coming to fruition. It wasn't until a late-night, beer-fueled talk with my Turkish co-worker, on the deck of the pub underneath the twinkling Christmas lights, with the surrounding hop fields only ones to hear, and the night sky full of stars, and the big moon looming large above us, and our talk turned to Europe and how traveling around like some kind of bohemian hippie seemed to become plausible. One day, I was driving the windy roads to work with the hot sun baking my skin and the radio blasting and the wind rustling my hair like some kind of cliched American road movie that I said out loud, I'm going to backpack Europe. And I believed myself and I knew it would happen. I started to tell people of my grand plan to backpack Europe and each person I told in turn told me how they had backpacked here or there or their friend did this or that and what they told them. It was an amazing conversation to be part of. Everyone was excited and was either reliving one of the best times of their lives or thinking back to a time when they had had a chance to travel but refused for all sorts of reasons. With each conversation, I began to make mental and physical checklists of where to go. Some people told me to pick out a few places and spend a month in each, while others told me not to make any plans and let the wind be my guide. With all these talks, my plan of going to a couple countries in Europe for a month or so morphed into a grand adventure hitting almost all of Europe over the course of three months. I bought a map and began drawing lines to different cities and looking at the geographical layout of a Europe I had never been that fascinated by, discovering which countries were in Scandinavia and seeing which bodies of water lie next to certain countries. It was exciting and freeing, but all it ever felt like was a pipe dream. The more people I told, the more the idea became reality. But it wasn't until a seemingly typical June day when all of the talk began to gain weight. Up until then, the idea of traveling the way I wanted to could only be done solo. I've always been an independent adventurer, finding solitude and being alone in all manner of situations. Whether it be hiking miles into a rugged wilderness or taking on a grand project, 
I have always felt a person understands himself better by being put in a precarious situation, full of exposure, and handling the difficulties of the moment alone. One late spring day, my friend and co-worker Reed Fielding and I were setting up an outside bar to get ready for a concert at the pub we worked, and we were talking about where I would go and if I would make it to Scandinavia. I'll admit, the thought of those northern countries hadn't crossed my mind as places I wanted to go, when all I had been thinking about was Western Europe. After some talk, the reason for his inquiry surfaced, and it turned out he wanted to go with me on my grand adventure. I was at first, selfishly and foolishly taken aback at the prospect of having this trip be anything but solo. But after minimal pause, my entire body felt elated, and I agreed, and we began talking nonstop of the possibility of us both tackling Scandinavia together. Soon after our initial conversation, Reed had worked out personal hurdles and gave me the official okay to be my partner through the first leg of the trip. Over numerous late-night beers, the plans for my first two weeks in Europe were beginning to take shape. Together, we would hit Iceland, Finland, Sweden, Norway, and Denmark. Then he would head back to the U.S., and I would begin my solo leg in Germany. As for the rest of my trip, I refused to make an itinerary of any sort of substance. From everything I had heard over the past months, the stories I gravitated towards the most were the ones which centered around spontaneity and not planning anything in advance. These are the Europe trips which seemed the most free and appealed to my own life at that time increasing in restlessness. It was now late June and with the official decision to travel for about three months in the fall, I decided not to renew my lease which meant, as of July 1st, I would be without a permanent home. On paper, the decision seemed at the very least ill-advised, but at the time I was relishing in anything that was against the norm. I was a mid-twenties guy who had recently gotten out of a long-term relationship just finished a strenuous bout of college, worked at a tasting room with amazing craft beer amongst a thousand acres of hops, and was surrounded by great friends who all worked at the same place. The rules were lax, to say the least, and I decided to let my hair grow out in hopes of donating it to a charity of some kind when I returned from my trip. One of my friends had a roommate who was never home, so he told me I could stay in his room for the month of July and pay a small chunk of money toward rent. I agreed. My ex-fiance helped me move out of my apartment one we had been sharing before the breakup, and I was out at the last minute. The caveat of staying in my friend's house was a room wasn't technically mine, so my backpacking experience started the moment my old apartment was gone. With majority of my stuff locked up in a small storage unit, and a fair amount of this and that stuff into my car, I arrived at the doorstep of my new home with this same humongous backpack I would take to Europe. I felt irresponsible being homeless. I felt stupid for not using my degree to get a real job, and I felt insecure about not having a plan for the coming months, but at the bottom of all the fear was a freedom, which was always tingling at the back of my neck and a freshness, which I would not have felt if I had done anything else at that particular moment in time. Less than a week later, on July 6th, Reed came over and we were searching for the best flights to Iceland. In the end, we couldn't leave on the same flight, so he would arrive to Reykjavik on the morning of September 11th, while I would get there later that night. After all the searching was finished, we bought our tickets and had our confirmation numbers and huge smiles across our faces. Reed pulled out a bottle of homebrew, reaching up in the 10% alcohol range, and we toasted to what lie ahead and drank deep from the black liquid while the thoughts of a grand adventure loomed all-encompassing, large and free. The month of July went quickly, working long hours with friends during the day, then gathering around those same guys at night while drinking some of the finest craft beer we could get a hold of. The freedom of not having anyone relying upon my actions was deafening. If someone wanted to go out after work, I would say yes. If someone wanted to get food at midnight or climb on top of a roof and drink beer into the early hours of the morning, the answer was always yes. There was nothing tying me down and only experiences and conversations to be gained. 
After work, my Turkish co-worker and I would talk about his experiences running a hostel in Istanbul and the people he met and what to expect from hostel life and the conversations with people from all over the world and the girls with different attitudes toward life and a strong sense of what it meant to really live. Soon July was over and the house I was staying in was empty and I found myself truly homeless. The weight of that feeling is something entirely unique, but was masked by the friends I had made and the youth which surrounded us. There was always a couch I could sleep on or a party to go to which offered a place to sleep. Rita and his girlfriend were the most generous, offering their couch to me on countless occasions. Even my ex-fiancé allowed me to crash on the short couch in her living room, and I would wake in the middle of the night with my long legs stretching past the ends of her couch only to roll over and find comfort in my surroundings and felt happy to have such amazing friends and pay a small price for the kind of lifestyle I was pursuing. The summer flew by with the friends, events constantly occurring at the hop farm, thinking about the trip and relishing in the moment. Soon August came to an end and I submitted my two weeks notice for work. On the last day, September 6th, the tasting room was full of people. Cold beer was pouring and it was beautiful and warm like Oregon is in late summer. My boss let me off early. I bought a beer and walked around the hop farm I had worked for over a year. I walked into the 18-foot tall hops with their cones plump and green and felt the soil at their base and took a few pictures. The property has a farmhouse built in 1912 with a gorgeous deck and I walked over to meet my friends and coworkers for a last talk. We all had excitement in our voices, but behind the warmth lay a sadness. All of us knew nothing would be the same once we finished those beers and drove away. Me most of all. The entire summer, the grand trip felt like something we all talked about but would never actually materialize. After some last pieces of advice were given, we all hugged and I walked off the deck. I went in search of everyone who I had gotten to know so well over the summer and they all gave me their best. My final stop was to the bar and I told Reed, I guess it's not bye to you, I'll see you in Iceland. We smiled and I walked out. My ex-fiance had been to the farm earlier and we had already said our goodbyes and she gave me a present and told me not to open it until I was on the plane. Once I was in my car, I grabbed her package and thought of going against her wishes but resisted. With a smile on my face, I drove past all the customers and the friends and the life I so cherished and drove on. The next stop was my grandmother's house in eastern Oregon, and the official first day of my adventure began. End of chapter.